Welcome to the Disgruntled Rats podcast on Android development. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the May 8th edition of the Disgruntled Rats podcast. My name is Brian Morgan. I'm here today with uh, Mike Boldashar and Sean Godinez. Um, we're going to do a quick update of what has happened to us in our lives since the last podcast. Uh, as for myself, I spent a little time in Germany. Um, finally got outside and got some vitamin D over the long winter hibernation, so that's a good thing. Uh, Mike? Uh, not much has changed here. I was digging fence posts at my family's house the other day. Uh, other than that, I've just been doing some programming, trying to release a new version of our Android Ant build environment. I put that up on the website, and I'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, just been playing with some computer graphics stuff as well, working on our engine. Sean, you want to take it over? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been busy transferring knowledge to uh, to new guys who are coming in uh, at my job. I'm going to a new job, taking another position in the Twin Cities. I'm pretty excited about that. So it's been this weekend. I've been doing a lot of yard work, though. My wife's been putting me to work, getting stuff done. So I, I dug out a window well, and uh, I'll. Uh, it's a bunch of crazy stuff, but a lot of digging going on around here, it sounds like. Nice. <laughs> a lot of digging. It is springtime here in the grand old state of Minnesota. So we have uh, no more snow, and we're all happy. So we're all outside digging up uh, all sorts of stuff. So anyway, <laughs> our, our introduction today is uh, based on a question that I'm sure many of you have been posed before, but we're going to find out the real answers today. And that question is, if you were stuck on a deserted island and you could only have two things with you, what would they be? And this deserted island kind of set the idea for you. You know, it's a nice island. It's got berries and fruit, so you don't have to worry about food that much. It's also got wild boars, so you can kill them and eat them if you, you know, have something sharp. But um, there's no electricity. There's no chance of rescue. And you're stuck there from now until you're 95 years old. What two things would you have, Sean? Go. I'd have to say uh, probably a, a box of matches as part of the survival thing. Um, and maybe um, one of those idols to, to get me off of, uh, keep me from being voted off. <laughs> <laughs> so you ha- you'd have the immunity idol yep, and yep. some matches. Nice. Yeah. What would you do with the immunity idol exactly, Sean? Uh, it's just there for protection, really. Maybe I could. Uh, use it to trade some some other goods. I like it. So he's gonna trade his immunity eagle with the local pygmies, and hopefully they will uh, they'll worship him as a god and then provide him with whatever he needs. Exactly. Perfect. I like it. What would you like? Uh, you know, I I don't really know what I would want. Uh, I was thinking like a solar panel and a computer so I could play Portal Two. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go with that. I'd like a, a solar panel. And then my computer, so that I could play video games at least on my island. That is dedication. I love it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. What, what's your What's your graphics card though? It takes about 350 watts in itself. Is that? <laughs> it's gonna be hard to pull through a solar panel. <laughs> I've got the uh, GeForce GTX 560 Ti. Nice. Uh, um. So, yes, it would be tough, and it would take many days of charging my my battery supply. But uh. you know, I might get a couple. A uh, few minutes of gaming out of this thing. There you go. I'll make it worth it. Yeah, in the end, it's all worth it. I agree. As for myself, I would uh, 
I would take uh, the world's finest chainsaw and 1,000 gallons of fuel for the chainsaw. And that's what I would have. That's all I would need. <laughs> that's all I want. Because then what? I can... Here's why. Cause yeah, I can, what's the plan here? <laughs> I can take that chainsaw and I can cut down the trees. I can make myself a little hut. I can use it to kill uh, kill boars. I can use it to protect myself. And at night, <laughs> I can I can use it to start fire. I'm not. I haven't figured that part out yet, but I'll figure out something. So I'm, I'll, I'm know, sure that part won't be too hard. The, the fire part, <laughs> the thousand gallons of gasoline. Exactly. So it will it will work out. But that is what I want. Yeah, that is that's the only two things I have. We just did you crash an oil tanker into this island? Or how did you end up on this island with a thousand gallons of gas? <laughs> Uh, that yeah. that's for next week. Good call. Moving on. Then. I like it. So, okay, we're going to news. Um, Sean, you're up for computer graphics. Yeah. So for computer graphics news, I see that Nvidia has released their PhysX SDK, the 3.0. So with that comes uh, a, it's a large rewrite of the original PhysX engine. And they're focusing more on console and emerging platforms, and they've done a lot to improve threading. And that was provided uh, from Geeks3D.com. Written that was posted by JegX. And then another related release of a new, of a new version is the Ogre 1.7.3 Cthulhu was released. I don't know if many of you are familiar with Ogre's 3D game engine, but they are an open source engine. They actually are coming out. Within a, a new game is licensing their engine called Garhasp, the Monster Slayer. That's going to be released next week. But um, most of you probably be familiar with the game called Torchlight, and Torchlight uses Ogre 3D Engine to do all the, all of their rendering. So nice. I, yeah, I've downloaded. I played with it before. I remember it back at Iowa State. People were messing around with it, and it's it's been really good. It's really it's a really great engine for open source. It's pretty cool. Now, when you said licensing it, it's it's open source, so they don't really pay for it. They just get to use it for free, right? Well, see, I, don't, I guess I say license because I'm pretty sure that since they're making money off of it, they they made some kind of agreement with Ogre. I, I don't know for sure, though. I have to look more into it. But I, th- I thought I read an article about um, just that they they went that extra mile, I guess. And, and since they're making it into an actual game they're selling, I think that they might may have had to license it. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. Okay, very cool. And T- Torchlight, have you you guys played that game? I've seen it. Yeah, I've got it for about twenty minutes. <laughs> it's like it was just like uh, World of Warcraft, and then I was looking for something different than World of Warcraft at the time. So when I started playing that. It actually got me more interested to back into playing World of Warcraft. So. But I don't know. It's it's kind of like a little dungeon slayer type of game. That was on Steam, right? Yeah. It really reminded me of like Diablo. Where you're running through the dungeons and right. like, killing the critters and getting loot and stuff. Yeah, they're coming out with the Torchlight 2 sometime, and it's going to have multiplayer. To, that was one thing that was really lacking, yeah. I felt. Oh, yeah, you, have to, you almost have to have multiplayer nowadays. Just, everything's so connected. Everyone is used to multiplayer games, and we all know how much more fun it is to play with friends as opposed to playing um, solo. Remember, remember, what was that? It was kind of a sidetrack here. What was that one game? Where we all installed it, we played it all the way through, and then we never, we never played it again. Where it was us four, and we were running around killing those aliens. Alien swarm. <laughs> yeah, alien swarm. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So that was a good Steam game. <laughs> One time play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it totally was. All right, cool. Moving on to Android. Uh, the Google I.O., which I assume stands for Input Output Conference, is May 10 to 11th. Um, it's going to be in San Francisco at the Moscone Center. It's uh, it's only about $550 to sign up for uh, late sign up, but if you're a student, it's only 150 So pretty affordable for a student. You know, Google and the conference is probably going to be awesome. So if you're in the area, I highly recommend you go check it out if you can still get it in. Uh, they're going to have sessions on Android graphics. They're going to have 3D graphics on Android, lessons learned from uh, Google Body by Nicole Weber, and uh, Android Accelerated Rendering, um, which is going to be presented by a Romaine guy. And it's going to probably replace the annual Java 1 conference um, as the big, big tech conference of the year. So I guess the next question is, do you think that Java 1's uh, been destroyed by the Oracle open world discussion? I think it has. I think that uh, Oracle killed one of their uh, gooses that laid their golden eggs by getting rid of Java 1 and merging it with open world, because that was quite an event every year for programmers to attend. Did you go to any of those, Mike? No, but, you know, <laughs> I never found a company that would pay for me to go. Yeah, Otherwise, I would have been there. It's It's one of those things where a lot of people go every year, and it's not just uh, specifically, I mean, it is Java-focused, but it's like people who program in other languages still go there, went to Java 1 to get their highlights and news updates and learn about new technologies. So it kind of brought people together from even outside of Java. Yeah, that well, sounds really cool. I'd love to, we should go to one of those sometime, go to the next year's Google I.O. or something. So uh, the ice cream sandwich, anyone? Um, this was an article written by Alberto Vildosola. Uh, and we have a link on our notes here. Alberto, or yeah, Alberto, uh, he wrote a list of seven things he thinks should be announced at the Google I.O. conference. Um, one is the uh, ice cream sandwich, which is the next Android operating system, and there's rumors that code branches will be merged, such as uh, the gingerbread, honeycomb, and Google TV. Um, Google media service of some kind, so is there going to be a Google Music, Google Movies, uh, Android World, uh, improved security on Android, which is a good thing, Android Themes, uh, a web-based IDE, and gaming service. So there's also Google VoIP. He's he's saying these are seven things he thinks uh, should be announced. So we'll stay posted and see if any of those are announced or not. Uh, they're all very exciting topics. You guys want to comment on any of them in particular? I think the web-based IDE is kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that he thought of the gaming services as something that Google might announce, and we actually talked about it in a previous podcast that Sony got kicked out of the Google store. So what does this mean? Does this mean that Google is actually going to do something with gaming um, since they're pushing Sony away? Uh, that's my guess. Yeah, it makes makes sense logically. Um, so are these things that he... That we know that Google's going to do, or these are seven things that this guy thinks that it's seven things he thinks are going to be announced. And, okay, you know they're not necessarily gonna, ice cream sandwich. I'm sure will be announced. Sure. Other than that, uh, a lot of speculation. It's just interesting that somebody's thinking about what what's going to happen because I'm sure we're going to hear big news in a couple of days. Yeah. Well, geez, you know if Google does 
VoIP or gaming or music or movies. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, the next thing, next news item, is all about uh, Google having more free applications in the iPhone. And this article was written by Gert Jan Sprinsma. We're going to uh, try to do the best we can with these names. And this was from distimo.com. Uh, the, the article written says that uh, the Distimo a publication proved that Google has 134,342 free applications, while the iPhone has 121,845 free applications. So Google has climbed up the ladder and now has more free apps than iPhone. The publication also says that 58% of the top 50 most popular publishers have developed applications for non-Apple systems. Uh, this leads us to the questions, are there too many free applications available? Is this a good thing for Google to be known for uh, the App Store with the most free apps? And how does this really affect developers who are trying to make money on their applications? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, is it a good, good thing for Google? Yes. Is it a good thing <laughs> for the end user? Yes. Is it a good thing for developers? Probably not. I don't think that, um, you know, as, de as developers... Yes, we, we, we pour in our time and our effort and our creativity and, and our uh, investments into making apps. Some are free, some are you know paid for. If the users get totally into the mindset of everything's free, 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 then yeah, the developers are going to lose out because people are you know it's going to drive the market down. Too much supply. So you know it, it's it's like it kind of depends on what side of the spectrum you're on. I'd say. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I agree. I, was, I guess I was focusing on this the statistic, and I'm always critical of statistics and how they're worded. A publication says that 58% of the top 50 most publishers were developed applications for non-Apple systems. Um, so that doesn't really say like that they developed for Android systems. I'm guessing there's like Blackberries thrown in there, or, or even Windows or Linux. Yep. What, yep. I think you're right, Sean. PlayStation, Sony, or uh, yeah, Xbox. That's true. Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily mean that people are moving away from iPhone towards Google. Um, just more statistics in there, I guess. But yeah, one thing is, I mean, you get what you pay for. Sometimes you get this free app that does something, but it doesn't do it well enough. Like Google Listen for me didn't work well enough for my podcasting needs, so I bought the the Dog Catcher podcast client because it was just worth it to me to get better quality software. So. Right now, you know, the quality of the free stuff, I think, is still pretty low. And over time, I'm sure it'll get better. But uh, I don't think it's going to, in my opinion, won't affect the developers too much because people are going to get fed up with the free versions not doing what they want them to do. Fair enough. Okay, the next news item here is that Sony's releasing new Android tablets. Uh, this isn't uh, a surprise to anyone. Being that there are so many tablet announcements these days, the uh, new this is an article by, by AUSGamers.com. It was posted by Trog, and the new device that they're releasing is called the Sony Tablet. There will be two variants of this device, codenamed S1 and S2. <laughs> they both run Android 3.0, have Wi-Fi, 3G, and all those bells and whistles. Uh, there's 
features that are different in both variants. The first one is the S1. It's made for media and entertainment. has a 9.1 inch display, which is pretty nice size, about the size that I want for a tablet. The features of the S2 are it's made for media and communication. It has two 5.5 inch screens, can be folded up, and independent activities can be um, performed on each screen. Or you can make the two screens one large screen. Uh, some of the issues that come up are you know, cross-platform design for developers. Uh, how, how do developers deal with these two screens now? Uh, are there some uh, benefits to having one device manufacturer like Apple? I mean, we're the market's so fragmented now with all these different devices. <laughs> what happens when they come out with three screens or there's um, you need support for your games to, to perform on two different screens, map mode and, and regular 3D mode? So, something to think about. Um, I think it's cool that they're trying new things. I I don't know how successful they're going to be. I think. What a, do you guys think? I think a lot of games. I guess I'm surprised by how many games don't support two screens. When when a majority of people, at least what I I game with, have more than one screen at their desktop anyway. So I always thought it'd be fairly simple to include like a map or inventory or something useful that would be displayed on the second screen while your all your action the majority of your actions on your your main screen so i guess i could see i don't know i could see it's natural now it's more of like common to start supporting dual screen so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what people come up with yeah i think it's definitely an interesting concept of having two screens on a tablet device I just don't really see why you'd really want them. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe you're reading two independent, you know, bodies of text, and you want to scroll in different places. Uh, I I don't know. Other than that, gaming, that's the only two things I can think of that would be useful for two screens. I can see uh, a potential use for the ebook environment where you have page on your left, page on your right. It's, it's more natural for people to read uh-huh. like that. And then, you know... Uh, press the next button, and all of a sudden you get two fresh pages. It's almost like opening a real book, I guess, as close as you can get um, to that. So I could see potential use in that arena. I guess I'm just I'm starting to look at these images here, the Sony tablet, and the the dual screen one looks like it was kind of for size issues. You can you can basically decrease its size by half by when you fold it back together, you know, and then so it's mm-hmm. more pocketable or. I don't know. Maybe that's their biggest thing they're pushing there, just for uh, size. Yeah. Okay. We all know that size matters. And that's very, <laughs> very important <laughs> in the tablet community. So. All right. <laughs> next assess. Yeah. So the next assess was released today for Sprint. It came out a while ago on, um, uh, let's see, T-Mobile. But uh, yeah, Sprint got it now too. So. If you're stuck on Sprint and or you prefer Sprint and you're looking for that, it's uh it's available today. Yeah, it seems like the Nexus S release wasn't um wasn't a big media event like the old version was. You guys remember when the Nexus one came out? Yeah. That was pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm it just, was the you go ahead. I was, I was just uh after my after my um Atrix not 
not really that excited anymore when new phones come out. It's just, yeah, the, the whole Tegra 2 thing. If, if another phone comes out with a, a better chip or a Tegra 3, that's what I'll be looking forward to. But Yeah, they just didn't have any big features in this phone. Um, it might be unlockable, or it might be that you can ch- change the operating system version for developers, but... I didn't see anything in there that looked even better than my Evo, other than the nice screen. Well, this article was written by Android Me, or written, posted at AndroidMe.com, written by Edgar Cervantes about the Nexus S. And next, a big article uh, posted on Fandroid.com, written by Quentin Kenimer, is about Oracle dropping 98% of, of patents with their battle uh, with Google. That's a pretty big deal for all Android developers who are a little worried that their syntax or language, the Java language itself, would become unusable for Android development. A judge ordered that only three of the 132 patents claimed would be tried. Wow. So Oracle won't be able to pursue, or won't be able to sue the pants off of Google uh, anymore. So that's really good news for us, everyone involved in the Android community. Yeah, I don't know what would have happened if they would have gotten, I don't know, 50 patents against Google and they won the case. I mean, Android would basically be crushed and all the money would be flowing directly to Oracle. And I don't know, maybe the price for Android phones would just go through the roof. I'm not sure what would happen, but it would maybe just leave the iPhone left standing as the only option. <laughs> I can picture Steve Jobs in his mansion, like, m- laughing m- maniacally at that statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Well, we're glad that it didn't happen, um, oh, yeah. being Android developers. So. Yeah, I don't know how they would recover from that. Uh, they start their own language. I don't know Google was, I guess, they've been toying around with that idea. I don't think they've put a lot into it, but... yeah. Well, I heard that they did something with Python, and they were trying to push Python on developers, and nobody wanted to write Python code. So they learned their lesson before from trying to push other languages on people, and so they stuck with with Java for that reason, that people knew Java, and there were a lot of people that used it every day. So it's easy to pick up and easy to get things written in. That certainly makes sense from that standpoint, for sure. Um... Just to our next topic, uh, 3D modeling. So Google search, there's a 3D globe now that Google created that shows where all the searches are coming from. So if you go to this site that we have linked in our uh, show notes, um, as long as you have a web uh, GL-enabled browser like Chrome or Firefox, or you can actually see a 3D Earth with uh, sort of a vertical altitude-based chart around where people are searching from. So it's kind of cool to see where all the searches are from um, using this tool. And the best part is Google opened up the source code so you can build your own uh, geographic visualization and kind of customize it and make it all neat and cool. So um, typical Google fashion, make something cool, then release it so people can make it even cooler. I just checked it out. It's 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 kind of neat to see how it all visualizations uh, tool that Google has is just pretty cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that was one of the first real applications of WebGL that I've seen on the internet. I mean, I just got Firefox 4 not too long ago, 
and I have WebGL in my browser now, and and I've been looking for a site that uses it, and finally, you know, Google did something with it. But I, I could see this being really useful for analytics, Google Analytics, and seeing where people are searching from um, for your website stuff. Yep, definitely. To get a, just a good, quick snapshot of where in the world people are looking at you from. And then you want to drill down into their house so you can kind of see where their computer is and look in their window <laughs> and make sure that yep. they're not downloading illegal software or something. Yep, it's all sorts of minority report-like uh, potential. And if you look at North Korea, you'll notice that there's you know, a little of nothing. So uh, it's not a lie. It's actually legit. <laughs> cool. Well, um, yeah, check out that link in our, in our uh, show notes if you get a chance. It's pretty cool. Otherwise, we're going to move on to gaming. Um, Mike, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the iPad is it the gaming console of the future? Digital Foundry wrote a blog article, and uh, we normally don't talk about iPads on this show, but it's sometimes good to keep tabs on the other group. You know, we're all two sides of the same coin or whatever. The, <laughs> the iPad 2 uh, has four to seven times faster gaming performance than the original version. Uh, says the the blog article, and some of the benchmarks came from Anantech. Basically, uh, what they did was had a bunch of trailers that they had on on the Digital Foundry blog article, a bunch of demos of games. They looked pretty impressive to me. I mean, they were one of the games was called Epic Citadel, and they were pushing 35 frames a second. And Epic Citadel Citadel uses the Unreal uh, Engine 3. Also, there were huge improvements in this uh, Epic's Infinity Blade game, which ran at 35 frames per second on the iPad 2. What they were thinking was that some of the uh, frame rates were so consistent that they were being capped for some reason, and so some of the benchmarks might not have been accurate. Uh, but there's other videos you should check it out Check out on the website. Uh, the big difference between the iPad 1 and the iPad 2 is the switch from the single-core to the dual-core CPU. Uh, but it's definitely looking like um, Apple is going to be watching gaming closely and trying to get into that market more. As you know, companies like Nintendo are noticing that their sales are declining for their handheld devices. Uh, I know I hear people at work talking about their kids wanting to play on iPads instead of you know going out to buy your your PSPs or your Nintendos. So uh, something to something to look for in the future. Once again, flash to Steve Jobs in his mansion laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of this plan. Um, moving on to Elder Scrolls V in gaming. Uh, if you haven't played any of the Elder Scrolls series, you've been living um, underwater. So welcome to the surface. And let's talk about the latest installation of Bethesda's epic series. It's uh, showing off demos of the newest Elder Scrolls game for the Xbox. The features of the game it runs on their new creation engine. They've been designing this game for about five years since Oblivion was released. Um, you can have concurrent dual wielding weaponry, um, so you can do magic plus one handed weapons, which is cool. Uh, you can do superhero powers via shouts. Uh, and then there's lots of puzzles. Um, as is kind of their coin, and then dragon battles and 
much, much more. So I played uh, a lot of the sort of that series, the Morrowind and then Oblivion and I don't know. We were talking earlier about Oblivion and how it didn't really measure up uh, in terms of balance. Mike was talking about how one of his guys was basically invulnerable um, when he was side questing. Then he went back to the main game and just got destroyed. So, I mean, the, the game itself wasn't that balanced. So hopefully they fixed a lot of those issues and we'll see how this one looks. I hated going through a cave that was like 30 minutes to get to the end of it and the back of the cave and there was nothing in there. The whole cave was just... There was like nothing cool in the cave. It was a, yeah. Yeah. a waste of 30 minutes digging through there. Yeah, hoping to find some epic loot. But yeah. Nothing but rocks. Right. Which I guess kind of adds to the realism factor. <laughs> like, <laughs> like life is boring, so... It's just, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because whenever I go searching around in random caves, I never find much except for like empty beer cans. <laughs> That's not very exciting. So. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they made the game such that you can go to any place in the world and everything's at your level. And then you keep building up and you, you go, it's sort of a non-linear path where you can go questing and you can still fight and you don't have to sort of follow the, the path to get to the end. The problem with that is that you never get to the end because you never get back to the main path and figure out what the main quest of the game was. It was never mm-hmm. obvious to me where the main quest was until I had Googled it. <laughs> so I just ran around and you know did all the side quests basically the whole game and then went back to the main one and I just I couldn't play. <laughs> I couldn't beat the monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember too I played once as a wizard and played it forever. Just had a real, real hard time. And then once, the second time I played through, I made it like a barbarian or something like that, just a, a melee warrior type, and just, just crushed the entire everything. Just basically walked through the whole game. So character balancing was a little bit off, too. But I'm hoping for this next one. They got that all fixed. I'm sure it'll be a great game. Okay. Ready for the spotlight, guys? Sure. Yeah. Kick it. Okay. I'm eating Easter candy right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> spotlight today. Uh, I'm just going to give a overview of what I've been doing with the Android Ant build environment. You might have seen it on the Disgruntled Rats website. Basically, first it started off as a blog article saying how to get Android running. It became pretty popular with people uh, going to the blog and reading about it. And now I just decided to package all this stuff up in a in a zip file and post it on the website. So we've had a couple of releases of that so far. Hopefully it's been useful for some people. This all started, uh, I don't know, about a year ago or a year and a half ago when I was trying to figure out how to get our Ant or our Android projects built. Uh, there was tooling around Eclipse. There was some Ant libraries out there. There was an Android SDK. Everything seemed great. Uh, Eclipse... With Eclipse, you could do you know right-click and build and deploy to your emulator, uh, get some debug outputs from there. The, the problem was that I couldn't get it to run in a Hudson build server. I couldn't get a lot of the customizations on directory structures that I needed for flexibility and for making my projects modular and being able to separate out packages from each other. So I spent a lot of time trying to digest and dig through the SDK and all of the different scripts that were included in there. And I've managed to comment sections of that out of, of the um, 
what they call the rules file. And so part of the scripting that we have now uh, in the Android build environment is is to replace uh, a file inside of the Android SDK as part of the build, and it comments out sections basically, which allow you to invoke the ant targets directly from your build scripts. So this has been pretty useful. We've had builds running on Hudson for I don't know year now, and it's it's pretty useful. You don't need you don't need to run it directly from an IDE or something else. I don't know how you could manage a, a big project in Android without having continuous integration, multiple developers, and bringing things together like that. Uh, it can do everything from uh, creating Android packages to uh, creating uh, signing the packages and and all the the whole nine yards. Um, so if you're interested, I encourage you to go out there and, and download it. It should help you if you're trying to get started. It deploys a Hello World application, which uh, you can run, and it just basically prints out to the console Hello World. Uh, but if you guys have any questions on you know what we've produced uh, or that package specifically, uh, feel free to post some comments on our website, and I'll I'll take a look at them and see if I can't help you out. Uh, other ways you could have done this were calling to the exec for Android builds, but then you worry about cross-platform and, and worrying about the Macintosh versus the Windows versus the Linux, uh, and how, how would those things play well together once you wrote custom exec targets. Uh, so it's it's pretty sweet. It saves a lot of time, and I think a lot of people are using the, the technique that we put out there. It's pretty high in the Google search results right now. So, yeah. <laughs> That's really all I had to say about that. <laughs> No, that's really cool. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are uh, our massive throngs of listeners would be interested to hear um, more about that too. I know we had some comments on our spotlight last week too. So it seems like uh, people like the in-depth um, sort of areas of expertise, which uh, which we have. So that was, that's good. I I actually learned a lot from just you explaining that. So yeah, hopefully cool. next week we'll be able to do some research and dig deep into um, 3D graphics and that type of stuff. Uh, this week we're a little short on time, <laughs> so yeah, next week we'll we'll impress you with some uh, something in, interesting and in depth. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you all for listening today. Uh, it's, it's been fun. <laughs> we are accepting short audio questions to play during one of our recorded episodes. If if you would like your questions played on our show, you can email an audio clip to disgruntledrats at gmail dot com. You can also find our show notes on our website at www.disgruntledrats.com. Please friend us on Facebook for a chance to win the Disgruntled Rats t-shirt. And if we made any mistakes or if you have news to share, just want a product reviewed, email us at disgruntledrats at gmail.com. Absolutely. Well, right. goodbye, everybody. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> right. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Disgruntled Rats podcast. We hope you join us next time. Visit our website for more information at www.disgruntledrats.com.